What's happening, quarantine friends? It is Cooper and the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. A special thanks out to Midwest Meals for keeping things on the healthy during this crazy time and even during the uncrazy times. 13 rotating meals. You go on MidwestMeals.com. You pick out your meals. They got the macros, the calorie count, everything you need to know about what you're putting in your body so you can uh, you know, figure out what your goals are, what you want to feel like, what you want to look like, and plan your meals accordingly. Then you order. They ship them out to you. You get them in the mail, and boom, no cleanup. Pop the meals in the microwave, and you are eating clean with Midwest Meals. Here's the deal. Promo code is Cooper at checkout. Get 10% off your first order, MidwestMeals.com. Valen Gentlemen Hockey Club, also proud sponsors of the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Bunch of cool uh, summer gear they just uh, launched the other day. I saw that on their Instagram. Make sure you follow them on their socials, man. They put up a bunch of cool content. Uh, ViolentGentlemen.com is the website. Check out their gear. Their uh, enforced social distancing line is really cool. Ladies, they have some kick-ass uh, ladies stuff out there. ViolentGentlemen.com, promo code Cooperville15 at checkout. 15% off that order with Violent Gentlemen. And Monster Energy, Rain Body Fuel, keeping things cranked during the craziness that we're all going through right now. Early mornings, late nights, lots of podcasts, lots of live streaming on Twitch. We're doing that now. Uh, and that is the fuel that gets us through from A to B to C to D to E to the, the whole damn alphabet. It gives us the energy, whether it's working out, whether it's just having to be up late and get up early the next day or help. Trying to homeschool a 10-year-old, whatever it may be. Oh, by the way, I'm in the middle of a move. Could be uh, adding a little bit more to the uh, uh, need for some monster in my life. Hashtag Monster Podcast. Special thank you to Rain Body Fuel for their assistance as well uh, for all the workout stuff, which if you check out the Insta uh, at No Limit Cooper Official, you'll uh, see what that's all about. Because that's still happening. Despite the move, despite the pandemic, despite homeschooling, it's all still going down. Thanks to Monster and Rain Body Fuel. <laughs> Welcome to Cooperville, the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Subscribe, get updates, feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. It is the Welcome to Cooperville podcast and uh, quarantine sessions from uh, Twitch, live on Twitch at no, no Limit Cooper with Reed Henry, my friend. How you doing, sir? Doing great, man. How are you? You know, I think we're all uh, we're all paddling the same boat. I'm not sure if we're all going the same direction, but um, we're just trying to get through all this craziness right now. I'm with you. I, uh, I think you're right. And you're up. Uh, you're up it's outside fun. of Toronto. I mean, what's um, and obviously in the states it's one thing actually state by state here it's one thing what are what are your current uh conditions that you have to uh, or i shouldn't say conditions but what are you allowed to do and what are you not allowed to do these days are starting to open up here a little bit not as fast as some states um we uh we're still not allowed to leave the country uh, as mm. far as i know um it's surreal yeah i mean but uh it's it's better than it was i mean in april we were basically confined to our homes and um, it's, so it's a little, little more opened up now. Um, uh, I mean, hopefully it continues that way and we can, uh, you know, get back to, um, little, something a little more resembling normalcy soon. <laughs> yeah, man, it's, it's just been, it's been so weird for everybody. And, you know, I've had artists on here and kind of talking about the, you know, this is the time when you, you guys like to be out and, and active and, yep. and, uh, being in front of people. I mean, that's, you know, that's the, 
the lifeline of uh, of musicians is yeah there's 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 all the aspects of it there's the the writing and the recording and uh music videos all the stuff that goes on kind of behind the curtain but you know the real you know the reason that you started is to be in front of that fan base and to uh to sing songs for them and to have them sing them back to you. And when that's taken away, you know, you know, what are you, what are you doing? I guess during this time, obviously you've had some, uh, some creative time. We're going to talk about the new single, the solo single that's coming out monster, but have you been spending time, you know, working on your craft, you know, writing and, and, and recording and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. For me, this has been an opportunity to, uh, to reflect. Certainly I, uh, was, you know, trying to work on music as much as possible, even prior to uh, this, you know, um, pandemic. But uh, having extra time at home um, definitely affords me the ability to, uh, yeah, I mean, spend even more time working on songs, even more time um, developing songs. Um, I, I've kind of changed the game plan a little bit, obviously, without being able to tour in the way that I was, you know, initially going to, uh, without being able to get out in front of people. We we're just trying to you know think of i guess um new approach a new model mm. um in terms of, of reaching people and connecting with people in, in ways that uh you know wouldn't have been necessary or as necessary prior to this and, and just uh putting more weight into the importance of uh um of just being present online and and having a, a game plan for exactly uh how i'm going to reach as many people as possible and and to how to grow this uh sort of new space for my art uh, without actually being able to get in a van and go shake hands. Right. You know, it's, at least for now. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, I want to say it's not even a learning curve because it's, you know, a learning curve. Usually there's like a, there's a point that you're trying to get to like, okay, I got to learn, you know, figure this out. And then there's the end. And right now we're kind of all living in this while well, you wake up one day and, and the rules change. You're like, okay, well now I have to readjust you know, how, you know, how I'm planning to, uh, to get to point yeah. where, where is point B? Cause I'm here at point A and it, it, the, the distance between here and B keeps on changing. But uh, I think yeah. utilizing this time for, for that creative outlet and, and finding other ways to get, uh, you know, get your songs out there, get music out there. I think that's, you know, it, it's, it's what's, it's what's on the plate right now, but you have just, it, your story is, and like I said, being in, I was in rock radio for 20 years and, and mm-hmm. following along, um, now from a distance with, uh, with your story in particular, um, I want to get to that, but I want to take you back to like music, finding its way into your life. Um, there's, there always seems like there's, I want to say a point where you decide like, yeah, music, you know, not like here's uh doctor, uh, garbage man, um, you know, teacher, you know, all these avenues are in front of you, mm-hmm. you know, as, as you grow up and you, you know, some kids want to be firefighters when they grow up, but some kids find their way into music and um when, when was do you remember when you were like yeah this this is going to be what i'm going to do with you know with my life do you remember a, a point in time mm-hmm. when that happened definitely i i didn't have the kind of uh career goal i think that some people had um in terms of what i was going to do with my life I, when i was a uh, i was a young man i was a punk rocker dude i didn't uh and I believe, you know, I wanted to die at 27. I thought the world was going to end. I had no interest in, in, in a career or making money or anything. I just wanted to play punk rock music and, mm. and to, uh, you know, break stuff and, uh, and live <laughs> moment to moment. It was, uh, not exactly like a, um, long-term plan. <laughs> I think that, uh, um, I moved out, uh, sort of, in in anger uh, at age 18 um i moved from the small town that i was living in to uh 
to the big city for us, which was Toronto. And, uh, and I moved into a rehearsal space next to uh, a couple other bands. Um, so that like the first floor and the second floor were, were like hourly rooms uh, that you could rent to, to go in and there would be backline musical instruments mm-hmm. there and you just kind of rehearse. Um, and, uh, and the sort of day-to-day bands had that. There was a, an additional third floor to this, this space that had like live-in bands and me and two friends that I'd sort of known in high school that they had secured this lease for this place. Um, I moved in with them. We happened to be next to, uh, um, one of the bands we were living next to was My Darkest Days, mm. who were five or six years older than me um, and, and had some degree of success already. Uh, this would be 2007. Mm. Um, and Three Days of Grace was obviously huge already. Uh, whom, um, for those of you who don't know, um, uh, My Darkest Days singer, Matt Walst, uh, his older brother, Brad Walst, uh, was the bass player of Three Days of Grace, still is. Um, mm. And uh, so they had you know, considerable success, not only regionally, but, but uh, at that time worldwide. My Darkest Days um, in 2007 was really not known. We were just, a, they were a local band, but they were pretty popular. Um, and I remember uh, getting to kind of get strung along to their shows um, and uh, I helped tune their guitars and sort of teched for them and stuff and got mm-hmm. some free beer tickets. And uh, eventually <laughs> I kind of convinced them to let my band open up and <laughs> <laughs> sort of went from there and by uh, after a year or two we were there all the time and uh when it came to they got a record deal and they were kind of growing i was given the opportunity to sort of like you know if you can hack it you can be the sort of like third wheel kind of thing i was the fifth member so i spent like 15 or 16 hours a day just insulating myself as a musician just singing constantly until like my throat couldn't make sounds anymore and and playing guitar until my hands felt like they were going to fall off and then like the old you know cliches go but um but that's the life we lived man we ate beans and like frozen peas and like played music and ate mcdonald's cheeseburgers on the weekends and like we lived like just like in squalor just so we could just play music constantly and uh there was no career goal we weren't trying to get rich we were just doing um what made sense to us and uh and you know and just giving it absolutely every everything we possibly could, mm. um, and uh, it was exciting. It was an exciting time in 2010, um, early 2010. Watching the band go from playing like you know, pretty cool shows to suddenly like we were playing like 500, 600 spheres like over capacity in Toronto and mm. and in the small town that the guys were from. Uh, we'd have like lineups of people outside. We were crowd surfing and like, um, yeah, it was crazy. So when we first toured uh, in 2010 with uh, sick puppies and it's alive in a band called Janice. Mm. Um, and then went on to do a hander tour and a Papa Roach tour. It was, uh, you know, getting increasing, uh, increasingly, increasingly crazy and, uh, and surreal for us. And we were, I was very, very um, grateful and blessed to be a part of that uh, and be with such talented people um, who certainly made me rise above my skill set at the time. And, and, you know, rise to the occasion to try and be um, as good of a musician as, as those guys were. And, uh, so I'm very grateful for not only the learning experience that I got, but the, um, yeah, truly the one in a million opportunity that I was uh, afforded by my darkest days and the ability that, that we, you know, I mean, we eventually toured, you know, all over the United States. We got to play Europe. We played um, some of the biggest hockey rinks in the whole world and big, big festivals, bands we grew up listening to. So it was a definitely a dream come true. Yeah, I was going to say there was there was huge success with uh, with my darkest days. Uh, you know, obviously, porn star dancing is uh, is still an anthem. Not that I've been to a club recently, 
because they're shut down. No, me neither. Yeah. But uh, but I've I've heard I've heard that it's you know that that song still gets uh, that still gets cranked out. So obviously with with that and especially when you when you have a song that that brings in uh, some some really big names on and uh, in, mm-hmm. in collab with it with with Chad and with. Uh, uh, with Zach mm-hmm. and then Luda, uh, the Luda version. I'm like, man, this, you know, I mean, that was like so uh, not anthony, but I mean, that really, you have that song that creates this, uh, that will, will almost, I want to say live forever, but it will be one of those songs that is always in rotation. You know, it's, it, it's crazy. So yeah. you, that success, uh, super cool, you know, leads to so many things. And we talked about being able to, you know, here you are wanted to be, you know, punk rock and, 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 and break shit, which I think is fantastic, which I, you know, I, I lived that mentality for many years of my life too. Um, mm-hmm. but then you have that, that success, um, and you get to go and see the world and you get to go and kind of live that, that rock star dream. I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the, that's the thing, you know, people are like, yeah, that's, that's, that's why people get into, you know, not you or me. <laughs> We're like, no, we just want to break stuff and and whatever. <laughs> but, you know, some people go into yeah. it with that, um, you know, watch too many Motley Crue videos. And right. they're like, this is what it's going to be. You know, it's going to be this, you know, motorcycles and chicks and, and you know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. And, you know, you know, as a, as a musician that the road to get to even before that point, it's dudes and vans. You know, dudes and vans. When I think of uh, when I think of what it took me to get to where I'm at now, um, I, I think about um, eating cold frozen vegetables. <laughs> I was like wearing clothes that smelled so bad that I, I it made me sick, and then like playing music so much that I started to question whether or not I actually wanted to do it. I think right. that's it's probably. Like, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I shouldn't be, I don't want to be, seem ungrateful. I mean, and we've played some incredible shows and mm. I've, I've had moments in my life where I'm like, just actually like shaking in my boots from how many people are in front of me. And I think as you tour more and you get used to those crowds, that size of crowd, it's, um, it's one thing and you start to get a little numb to it by show four or five and you're just kind of going through the motions. But truly when you, when you get those, uh, big festival shows that, uh, uh, that maybe you know you've got some like we had some buzz during porn star dancing some i guess uh emergence as a, as a like you say a song that'll be in rotation forever when when that was kind of happening like and it was uh it was pretty surreal and um and the crowds that we were playing for were just like seas of human beings that uh that kind of you know, I was like, I was like 23 or 22. And for me, it was just like, <laughs> you know, to some extent you're going through the motions, but every now and then you look up and you forget where you are in the song. Yeah. It is it's truly uh, like, like you're dumb, dumbstruck. I was dumbstruck um, that, uh, that people, you know, wanted to see us and that we were even in that opportunity. So mm-hmm. or in that, you know, positions, yep. so, something else for sure. There's been a lot of, um, uh, I got a couple of shout outs here. Jody, uh, Jody's in the chat. Hey, Jody, thank you so much for uh, setting this up. Uh, Emo Queen, um, still rocking out to the tune. So thank you for joining us uh, live on Twitch right now. We, we appreciate it. But there's, um, you know, being a part of, of rock and roll and it, it being in, you know, obviously in your blood and and for me for 20 years, uh, ingesting all the things that go on in that world outside of just spinning the tunes, you know, you're, you're a part of a, a band that, you know, went through, 
I, I'm trying to think if there was a, a bigger one. I'm, I'm sure there was. I can't think of, but one of the the biggest alterations in in active rock in the format uh, years ago um, with Matt leaving, and is I I remember it strategic or specifically because um, Three Days Grace was was scheduled to be announced as a headliner at Rockfest, a festival that I've been a part of for the better part of a decade, and. It happened, so it must have been in that uh, late uh, end of the year, towards the beginning of, of the following year. I can't, I mean, you probably know specifically what year it was, but 2013, I remember. Yeah, 2013, 14. Yeah. So there was a delay in announcing the lineup because they weren't sure what was going to happen with, you know, obviously Adam leaving Three Days Grace mm-hmm. and, and then Matt being added to it. And it was, it was one of the, I mean, it wasn't, I don't, strange isn't the right word, but this big, shift in, in with three days grace being this this band that had had so much success on the on the charts you know with with adam and then to make the adjustment with matt and then to have this this band my darkest days that you know from from my active rock programming director opinion was like i'm like yeah that they're, they're gonna hit big with uh with porn star dancing and then they're gonna have the follow-up and it's gonna be awesome and you know, it's album two album three you know you go through the album cycle and it's you know you could feel that that success was there you know in, in the confines of that mm-hmm. band but then the the change happens and mm-hmm. you know i think it was it was a weird adjustment for i'm I, obviously a, a huge adjustment for you but for yes. you know the active rock audience going mm, hmm, wait wait what what what, what, yeah. what just happened I mean, it was a, it was definitely a strange time um, for for me. Like Matt was someone who I looked up to for many years and was uh, just not only a fan of, but was a very very dear friend of. And uh, for me, watching him because we were still like living together at the time, mm. um, watching him go through that, you know, just like puking from stress and like and just you know so afraid and and um, self conscious of um, uh, you know what was what he was dealing with that time emotionally and psychologically like was crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Like he had so much to, to process that, uh, I just had to support my friend as, as, as well as I could and to, uh, and to watch him grow and, and succeed and grow into that role. But, it, you know, in a lot of ways, um, he's kind of like, I don't want to say like destined or whatever, but certainly he was like, you know, as a high school kid, he would have been looking out to his brother and, and to those guys and dreaming of being in that band. So for, for us to watch our friend um, go on in and be in a band that he had sort of, it's a, you know, like the movie Rockstar with Mark Wahlberg or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so like, so I was just really happy for him. Obviously it was a, a challenge for, for us um, as a, as musicians and, and in terms of our career. But like I said, I never really went into it trying to get a career or anything. We were just in a position we were in. And, mm-hmm. and I felt like um, when we came out on the other side of the, uh, the Super Mario, um, you know, tunnel pipe thing, uh, I felt uh, I felt like I was in a very advantageous position to um, to kind of challenge myself to move forward as a singer and as a songwriter, something I had always done um, and something that I developed um, I feel I developed a lot having the opportunities that I had working as a, as a guitarist in my darkest days, um, working with the writers we worked with and and learning from all the people that we learned from. And, um, so, you know, for me, it was just kind of like, well, this is sort of a natural progression. It would have been really cool to to still be a band of my darkest days simply because Matt's so talented and his art, you know, um, so cool. Um, 
and so you know he is a as a writer and as a singer is just so talented um but i took it as, an, as a challenge um to myself to try and rise up um rise to the occasion and uh, and to you know follow up with with relevant uh, music and yeah um so I was, you know grateful for that opportunity in and of itself I remember, uh, I remember the the first Dead Set Society song being uh, being pushed out to radio. I can't. I'm, I want to say Ray Greminer was a, a guy that was behind it, a good friend of mine from California who was who was pushing the record um, when it yeah. came out. And it, you know, it was uh, it was you know build. Obviously, they wanted to kind of you know build the uh, the hype around the song, and so they had you know with featuring former members of of My Darkest Day, and. Um, I remember that that first song was it was like a nightmare the first song or was it automatic it was automatic and then I uh, kind of like it didn't fall on its face but we didn't really get the excitement we thought we'd get out of it and then just like a nightmare just started kind of getting like picking up steam so we just sort of changed gears and went with that um so I mean com- coming out of the gates I think the riff just kind of grabbed people so we went with that and you know did well for us yeah I, it's, I, I remember that there's a very close proximity of those two songs, uh, you know, coming out to radio mm-hmm. and and really feeling like uh, the songwriting of it was a little it was it was much more in tune, I think, with the uh, the the current mentality of things. I mean, you're you're in, in incorporating lyrics that people can you know relate to in a in a you know with automatic in, in a technological world where they're like, yeah, I, I get it. You know, it's not singing about you know, love in in this essence of this, you know, this feeling that's out there. It's like, no, it's like, how can you relate it to where, you know, people actually are? They're in their devices. They're in the tech. They, they know, this, you know, that association. I remember that when that song came out, I'm like, no, this, these guys get how to write music about, you know, that that's relatable. And then, you know, Like a Nightmare was, you know, was so, I thought it was an amazing song that, you know, for... For for me not for me having the the luxury in radio to not have anybody tell me what to play, I was so <laughs> grateful to be able to say, um, guess what? This one's going to be in a much higher rotation, you know, than uh, than the chart the the chart uh, tells me it's right. going to be. So, so it was really you know for me kind of a, a really cool way to I think bring that um, that passion that I, I I felt for for my darkest days just because I I knew that that talent level was there. And, and obviously with, with Matt going on to, uh, to do his thing, but the way you brought, you know, this new, uh, it, it feels like you, you really had hands dug deep into, to dead set society, uh, when you guys made that, a uh, an entity. Absolutely, man. I, I kind of, it started off as a different name. Um, yeah. I, I'd worked for years, uh, right after, um, my darkest days was, uh, went on a hiatus. I started working with, um, our bass player, um, trying to just get something out. And honestly, we spent like years two over two years, um, just trying to develop it and to get it, uh, to build it from the ground up, give it good bones. And we were, um, we, we met the right people. Uh, we, we're able to kick it off and uh, and to get back on tour with a record we were really proud of. Um, and, you know, having that time definitely allowed us to sort of percolate through the songs and really hone stuff and um, and do uh, make music, I think, the way that some of the classic the albums that I think are classic, um, yeah, you know, from the 80s and the 90s and, and before, um, how they were made where, where there was a little bit more of a, less people working on it and more time 
you know what I mean? Uh, as opposed to, I think a lot of a lot of the uh, records today tend to be a, a large group of people working collaboratively um, in a shorter period of time. Which I mean, you, there's no fault to it. It's you know, um, if it's successful, if you write great music that way, if if you can come, uh, you know, get a bunch of really really talented like-minded people to to pool their ideas together and to, to have a clear goal and to. Uh, you know, if you can make great art that way, then more power to you. I've always felt that uh, while I've been involved in those sorts of writing scenarios, I just, for me um, personally, I, I find making music is like a cathartic thing. It's sacred. It's like yeah. going to church for me. So I, I like to, um, you know, um, for me, making music is my, um, is my, uh, I, would, I wouldn't say escapism, but it's, it's, you know, my canvas. So I, I, I find that to be a, uh, it's almost private until the point in which I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Like I'm excited about this. And then I'm, right. I get excited about showing other people this. And I think that that sort of feeds into it. And if you're able to have a set period of time where you're, you make um, a whole bunch of songs, you, you generate a body of work and they sort of flow um, in and amongst each other, or they, they kind of click into each other, sort of like a puzzle. Um, as you, move away from that period of time you start to see that that body of work that record that you see it sort of take shape and i think that that's an exciting thing that i'm grateful i was afforded that luxury and i think that that's part of what makes um dead sets record destroy and rebuild for me at least uh, I, I guess it, it's um what makes it something i'm so proud of is that it, it did have that time to marinate and to kind of become its own thing and to have its own feel and have uh, you know, just uh, something that glues it together. Yeah, yeah. There's um, and and I have I have I have strong opinions about and and now that I'm out of radio, I can I finally can express them, uh, <laughs> because then I would have been I don't want to say chastised, but you know, sure. my 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 boxes of you know merch would have been much less. Uh, but you know, there's, there's so much, and I've been able, I think, to discover this in the last year of not being in the machine. Um, there's right. so much talent out there. My goodness. I have discovered, I think more music in the last year, um, than I, than I did in, in many years of radio because obviously, you oh. know, how the, how the system works, you know, it's, it's somebody sends yep. you, you know, sends you the single, it sends you the, uh, the artwork and, and, and gives you the backstory and then, you know, you watch the chart for it. And so it, it is so, uh, the machine just kind of keeps on feeding the machine. And, and as you well yeah. know, the, the, the top feeders are the top feeders. And, uh, and then there's everybody else in the middle that's trying to scrap and claw to get that, that one song that cracks the top. And then there's, um, then there's this giant, giant pool of, of talent and, and the guys that are, and, and, and gals that are out there just, you know, doing the van tours, you know, doing the sprinter tours and, mm -hmm. and living in those stinky clothes that you mentioned, they're just, you know, they're grinding it out and, and doing, um, doing incredibly long tour runs and, and, and stopping at every radio station they can. And, you know, those, that talent to me always, um, when they actually put the effort into writing an album uh, and they, they put the, the time into every last aspect of it, instead of it being like, okay, you have, six months uh, after the tour, six months you have after the tour, and now we need another record by this date, and then everything yeah. you know, lines itself up, you know, the tour cycle. Yeah. yeah. It just, I've definitely been uh, squeezed out of the sausage factory a couple of times now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
whatever pressed through the meat grinder. Oh yeah. Of the music it's... industry. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that the, there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's good aspects of that sausage um, and there's bad aspects of it. The good aspects are of course, that if you're inside the machine, you're getting um, your content or eh, if you can even really say it's your, your artwork anymore. Right. If, if it is, I mean, a lot of people, maybe uh, their music, or their art is, is um, uh, influenced heavily by uh, the marketing aspects or mm -hmm. the people who are, you know, the powers that be, whatever. The people um, in charge of selling your music uh, can have a tendency to get their fingers kind of too deep in the pie and spoil it sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. But if, you know, if that's not the case, you have the opportunity to, to be broadcast to a vast, vast amount of people. And that's super cool. Yeah. Um, but I think with, the way technology is uh, in this day and age and the way social media uh, has us all brought together. I think that, um, that people have, if you look at YouTubers, like there's 16 year old kids in their basement that have, you know, more success or more popularity than, than I, I do after 10 years of being inside the you know music industry. So yeah. I think that there's, there's lots of different ways one can become successful in this day and age and, and to reach an audience at the end of the day, if you're coming up with uh, engaging and interesting content, I mean, I can't even say that that's necessarily it. There's, there's so many different, you know, so many different lenses in which you can um, try and make sense of what becomes popular mm. or what makes people react. Um, I, you know, I try not to spend too much time on it because when you, you know, if you if you let it bother you too much, you realize that some of the most, you know, <laughs> popular videos on the internet are people fucking or cats like on skateboards. <laughs> You can't be too hard. I know, right? You're like, wait a minute. Like, <laughs> you know, people don't want to be challenged intellectually or artistically. They don't want to be, you know, made to feel uncomfortable with by music. They don't want to be, you know, uh, to feel too strongly. Sometimes, sometimes people just want background noise while they watch cat videos, and that's, you know, who am I to judge? I, you know, <laughs> whatever. No, um, I, I just think that uh, for me personally to reach the, the maximum amount of people with while compromising what I'm doing the least, I, I think I found a, uh, um, you know, a positive way to do that with, with what I'm doing now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't agree with you more on the, uh, uh, the, well, the cat videos, uh, and <laughs> I, I watch, I just, you know, you see some of these things pop up and you're like, there's, 24 million views of something in a day and you're yeah. like what what the fuck are people like shouldn't you be doing something else i, I mean I, <laughs> I know like yeah don't read the and and people have time to comment on it too i'm like don't don't you have like isn't is it sunny out like shouldn't you be out doing something yeah. like creative but no i think the 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 great thing um about technology and mm -hmm. the way that it's uh, that it's taking us and i think the mm -hmm. the machine the meat grinder is is still behind the eight ball on it. They're still behind the curve. They're not, oh, yeah. they're not a hundred percent committed to uh, either social media or other outlets of getting your music out. Because if, if you, if you embrace that, then mm -hmm. you, then you start to pull the cog in the machine over here and it starts to leak a little bit and, and it, and not, not everybody's getting, you know, the, the pork that spits out of the machine at the end of the day. So you, you have, uh, avenues now, and that's, that's been a great part of my music discovery the last year and artists I would never, ever have heard of in, in radio is that there's these 
avenues now that you can find a path in and all of a sudden you start gaining momentum on those on those platforms and people start paying attention and all of a sudden you have this this following that can it, you know for for some artists amass what would be a huge radio campaign or a huge you know yeah. uh, being in front of the the mainstream mainstream of rock and roll whatever that is nowadays but it's uh right. I think it's an it's an amazing thing for artists to have these avenues now, and for for a fan of music in general to be able to say, "Oh, it's not just these ten. It's mm-hmm. not just these. You know, this particular sound. Oh, wait, an artist can go from sounding like this, and then one day they feel like this, and they can sound a little bit different. And I can be okay mm-hmm. with that because I also have emotions that go in different ways. I, I think it's yeah. has opened up so much more. Absolutely. I think that uh, the formats have become a lot more dynamic in that way. And, and I'm, I'm, I think that's exciting. And as an artist, you feel like there's a little bit more room to breathe than maybe if you were just sort of shoved into this really narrow. Um, I, I definitely, I, I, you know, we were pressured uh, very, very heavily in my darkest days to come up with Porn Star Dancing Part 2. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> Which I'm sure you can imagine. And really, that's not the way you you follow up a really really smashed song like Porn Star Dancing. It's just so, like you know, um, I mean, it's still like you say, it's still in rotation today. Um, I look on Spotify and just the numbers that it that rakes in are staggering. So I mean, if you uh, if you try to follow up fire with an an even bigger fire, you know, where does where does it end? Right? Like at what point are you just right? You kind of have to, you know. I, balance um you know highs and lows mm-hmm. peaks and valleys as we said and, and i think that that's uh cool that uh, that modern active rock is is becoming a little bit more um you know i guess dynamic in terms of the scope it's not just the same riff rock over and over again or whatever it's, it's become a lot more um, open to various formats and or, or you know the format itself has become open to more genre i guess i should say yeah, because I, I think there's there's finally a realization that that people do they do have different uh, moods and they do have different you know they, they don't always need to hear the same you know BPM uh, you know for yeah. an hour straight you know throwing some commercials and then another hour straight of the same BPM they want to hear things that have tone they want to hear things that have different you know uh, different sound you know different sonic sounds to them they want to hear you know maybe some hip hop mixed into or they want to hear something that sounds maybe a little more classic they want to hear something that sounds a little more you know futuristic something that's a little more you know it, but it, if it all falls in the same you know we're badass rock yeah. and roll you know people you know in the genre it's um, exactly. it's weird how it works, but you you know having Dead Set Society have have some success, um, you know I, I, there's there's fans in here you know uh, uh, let's see emo queen, your, your band's got me through uh, nine years listening to him for nine years, um, the album was you know over a million people loving it you know see so there's obviously you got you know great fan reaction we got a bunch of people in the chat right now and, and watching this live so, um, cool when you uh. Deadset is uh, is currently on hiatus, as uh, as you've stated. Um, having this time to really, and, and this, you know, it's weird. You could say this time, like last year, you'd say, oh yeah, this time, and it would be like, oh, there's this time of year. Now, now we're in like this time of this weird pandemic. Uh, I don't even. There's hope not even. Not. <laughs> right. I hope eventually there's a yeah. light at the end of the tunnel. But now that you're able yeah. to really solely focus on on what you want to create what has this process been like uh you know to get the get the first single ready um 
and to get it out and to really have, you know, your arms wrapped around this thing 100%. Right. I mean, for me, um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of, I feel like the Sherpa at the top of the mountain in some ways in that I'm kind of like looking down onto my past works and sort of able to, you know, have the advantage of hindsight into, uh, what I've created in the past and to try and see, like, I guess, hear the mistakes that I've made in the past and try and as a writer grow from that. Mm. Um, and to try to not wince at it and just plow forward into, into new music. I don't know that my music's going to sound, um, particularly more, you know, different than dead set society. I'm not, actively trying to make any kind of like you know it's like you know uh, progressive folk pop or something i'm not like right. you know i'm still making <laughs> music i've always made because it's just what i do and mm. it's that's what i i feel the most comfortable in my skin doing but you know, making music that way it's a culmination of who i am of, of my past experiences and my what i've lived through and um you know the road so far um has weathered me for better or for worse and made me the man I am. And, um, so I, uh, I think that as a writer, it's, it's great to have the amount of time we have to, to really spend, um, you know, instead of being, you know, um, well, it certainly makes things more simple, right? You're not going around shaking hands, trying to promote, uh, in the sort of the triangle of make a record tour a record, or whatever, like write a record, make a record, tour a record, write a record, make a record, tour a right. record. Yeah. I feel like this is kind of we've we've you know the third part of the triangle is now it's just A to B, A to B instead of you know. So I I think that uh, I mean I'm I hope that uh, my hope is that within the next I think realistically within you know twenty four months or something or thirty six months we'll be in a position to. Uh, to have concerts and, and to be able to, um, to be on tour, um, in a meaningful way, mm. not just be like in weird six feet apart circles in some club with like 40 people, in it, you know, or in Ugh. some drive in field watching a concert on a screen or something. Um, it, you know, hopefully we'll be in a better place sooner than later. Um, uh, but in the meantime, uh, I just take it as another challenge to uh, to reach people, um, you know, you know, with limited means with, the, you know, to try and achieve an emotional response and to try and make music um, that is evocative and that makes people feel something, um, even if it's through a screen, even if it's through a speaker. Right. You know, obviously, I'm not able to go and shake hands and, and, and you know get FaceTime with the people who have supported me throughout my entire career. And, and obviously that's a huge bummer, but um, just to try to make the best of it and make people feel as connected as possible and, and to try and find a, um, you know, other like-minded individuals and to reach, reach the people who have supported me thus far and to, uh, to keep providing the, the content and the music that I am, um, that I do. Yeah. I mean, you got some, your fans in here are, uh, so Jem says, uh, dead set society saved my life too. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, so, you know, obviously, thank you. um, you, you understand how, how music can be, uh, powerful in a way, you know, when, when you're, when you're doing it, I think the way that, that, that you did the dead set society record and the way you're doing your solo stuff, when you're writing with, with purpose, with, you know, really doing your craft, doing your art, not having, 
your art, you know, photocopied and, and photoshopped by somebody else. This is, you know, your real, this is mm-hmm. what you want to create. You know, nobody told Picasso, like, I don't know, this is, uh, this is kind of fucked up. Like, you should, you, yeah, I don't like what you got going in here with the ear. Like, what is this? Like change that. Like it's, that's exactly, that's what makes it what about upside down. Yeah. What if you just did turn your head a little bit while you paint? Can this, you make it bigger? <laughs> What do you mean? There's no zoom feature on here. This is crap. Yeah. No, it's. Uh, I think if you have that artistic time to, um, to put into music, I think it becomes more tangible to your fans and to people who hear it, and it and it, and it hits them in a different way. You know, they they feel it in a different way than they do something that's overly produced. You know, it's it's had too many cooks in the kitchen on it, and it's like, yeah, it could be a really good jam. It could be a you know a banger and it hits the top of the charts and you hear it every hour and 15 minutes. And you're like, yeah, that song is a song, of the, but it doesn't, you don't feel it. You're not like, yeah, that's exactly. when I'm in my dark, you know, when I'm in my dark place or I'm going through a bad time, I don't reach out to that song to go, yeah, I'm going to listen to that. And it's going to be amazing. You want the song that, right. that connects with your emotions. I think you're having the chance to write that now. Yeah. And I think that, uh, you know, I was sort of torn as to whether or not I should, you know, accept the feelings that I have feel right now about, you know, the quarantine and everything that's going on and, and whether or not I should consciously make music about that. And I think that I, I got to the place where everyone feels that way right now. So, you know, I always am reminded of when I was very young um, as a teenager and, uh, and sort of like wallowing and listening to the smashing pumpkins and nine inch nails. And, and that sort of like, it was like, freeing in a way liberating in a way to, to listen to something that was making you more depressed when you're depressed or listening to something that sort of you know is a depressing song when you're depressed mm-hmm. um, i feel like the reason why people are people benefit from that is because they're or at least speaking i can speak for myself when i say that it, for me it made me feel like i wasn't alone and that somebody else had been there you know what i mean like when you listen to the downward spiral you're like whoa man like He's seen some dark shit. Yeah. Like that's real. <laughs> and and Trent's for me, been that somewhere. Was, I was able to, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think that, uh, that for me, I was able to, that inspired me to make, to be, to be honest hmm. when I make music, to be honest with myself when I make music. So uh, in terms of, of, you know, um, this quarantine, uh, it was, I was initially sort of shied away from maybe making music about what's going on now, but hmm. I think that everyone's, processing this everyone's adjusting at the same time so why not be honest with myself and why not um make music about adjusting to that you know in the effort not only in an effort to be relatable to people but just in an effort to be honest with yourself when you make music because if you're trying to make something or you're trying there's too much artifice in what you're doing i feel like people can tell and it it reads as inauthentic and it's just you know Mm. a lot of times even if it's the banger if it's disposable you're going to end up like Lady Gaga's seventh single off her second record or Ace of Bases, <laughs> you know, third single off their fourth record. No one remembers it. I, you know, right. no one cares. It's meaningless. It's just yeah. derivative and disposable music that, that people just sort of gloss over. And in three years, you're going to be buried by the other meaningless music that'll be piled on on top of you, Xerox over and over and over again. Yeah. So I think that in order to create something that truly stands the test of time, not only do you need to be, you know, burn into the ground on the radio or, or on the, uh, the streaming services, but to actually have a lasting impact is to make something timeless is, is to, is a huge challenge. And, 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 uh, I think the, it starts with being 
truthful mm. or being real. I think that's that's probably a staple of all the songs. When you look back on, you know, you mentioned Downward Spiral, you know, great, deep, uh, emotionally charged records, uh, and even even some of the classic stuff, stuff that has stood the test of time in a way that you're like, yeah, that song. I mean, you know, Lennon, you know, Imagine by John Lennon, you know, songs that really like connect emotionally exactly. with people. Totally, man. It's and I mean, I'm not even saying there's anything wrong with like you know Ace of Bases third single off their fourth record or whatever. Like, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was a great. I'm sure it was an awesome song. <laughs> sure, you know what I mean. I, I told you, you know, you need disposable party music to bang on. And well, if there were such a thing as clubs open right now, you know, in this, you know, uh, if imaginary right. situation where there's clubs in the future or whatever, um, uh. You need club songs, I mean, yeah. or whatever, right? Like, I'm not faulting people for making disposable music or even, you know, s- saying that they were trying to make disposable music. It just it ends up as disposable if it doesn't have that something about it that just is evocative. And, and I feel like party songs, I mean, don't always land in a, in a way that makes them timeless. Right. Um, I think that part of why, <laughs> I, I, I mean... Full disclosure, like Porn Star Dancing was written by Matt and some super talented people that I had no part in writing Porn Star Dancing. I was like, a, you know, outside the looking glass at the time. But but that song um, is a party song and it's stood the test of time. And and I think that we'll be listening to Porn Star Dancing when I am an old, old man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I think that's super cool. Um, I don't know why or what. I, I think part of it maybe is, is is emotional experience. People listen to a song like that and they think like, you know, if you see like the um, 60 year old um, Def Leppard party girl fans that are like, you know, they're listening to pour some sugar on me oh, thinking yeah. about when they're those experiences, it, it, it invokes those memories, those associative memories of being, um, you know, 20 something and, and, you know, getting blackout drunk, um, passing out the back of your car in a parking lot or something. Those, those sort of fond memories of youth people have <laughs> good, and associate with that good song. old days. Yeah. Right. And, you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. So I think that maybe a party song, if it reaches that level of, of airplay or, or of social um, status that maybe it can last forever and, right. and you know, whatever, maybe there'll be like top 40 songs that'll, you know, live on forever as a positive memory in people's lives. But I just think that there's, for every one of those, there's a thousand that are just meaningless and buried. Right. So I, I'm not in the business of, of trying to make music like that. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with it. I don't right. fault people for trying to cash out or whatever, but cash in. But yeah. I've just never really done music for that reason. So yeah, that that's definitely a it's a it's a it's a money path uh, for sure because you you know you want to if you're in it to have some sort of uh, you know the the levels of fame, the levels of success, the the excess that comes along with success. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's that route is there. And, and I, I think you're right. I think there is, there's a spot for that. If that's what you're musically, if that's what you're going for, like, Oh, this is, I'm doing it for these, these purposes or this song has let, you know, sometimes a song can take an artist or a band into it, an avenue. They maybe really didn't want to head, you know, musically, but the success is there. So why not take that path since it's already been, you know, paved by, by a certain, uh, party zone or anthem like that. But, but I want to talk about monster, uh, first solo single from you read and, uh, and, and going through this process, uh, as a solo artist, you know, what's, uh, give me the details on it. You know, when, when can, uh, all these fans that are, they're, 
bringing up good stories about when you had this long hair, baby face. Um, oh man, they're they're. Joke. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it's all positive. Though. I, uh, You're all good. Okay, good. <laughs> I can't see the comments right now, so yeah, I'll I'll, cr- I'll creep through later. <laughs> <laughs> but but monster when uh, when. Uh, tell me about going through the process of uh, of the writing and uh, and and when can people hear it and I think that uh, the song itself um, is is kind of coming into terms with your inner demons, mm. um, kind of coming into terms with yourself, um, accepting who you are for your fault for all your faults. Um, I I began writing that song um, kind of on tour. Um, I had a tendency to sort of isolate myself when i uh when i when i'm stressed out mm-hmm. um i think that that song is a reflection it's just a result of a lot of personal reflection um and maybe like i said just as maybe you know listening to something that's written you know that's maybe like a depressing song when you're not feeling happy or when you're depressed can be liberating i think that making a song about how you feel like a piece of shit um can liberate you in a sense as well mm-hmm. and and maybe make you feel like it's okay to have you know felt that way or or to have made mistakes um so i think it's it's a song about maybe um accepting yourself for for what you are mm. um yeah i mean we're uh in the process of getting everything launched now and, and getting everything live we're a little delayed unfortunately um trying to launch with really really strong content um and uh, and really really strong um video and and everything so it's uh held it off a little longer than i initially wanted to um but uh maybe i should uh so it, sh- it should be live by next week I'll, I'll definitely let everyone know if you want to go to um my youtube which is just youtube slash reed henry um or add me to facebook instagram twitter whatever you can find me on social on social media if you haven't already um and uh and you'll definitely be notified as soon as it's up and live and uh but definitely, if you want to be the first one to know, go to YouTube and subscribe. It'll ding you right away. Mm. Um, uh, maybe uh, just for the people listening now, we can we can post a YouTube link and just get a sort of sneak preview. <laughs> um, so, so uh, you know what? After this ends, after this live uh, uh, podcast ends, I will uh, I will post a YouTube link for one hour. And then y'all can check it out. Hope y'all were paying attention. Hope everybody's paying attention. But, yeah, but I'm going to take it down again because the video is not going to go live. It'll right. probably be next Friday, hopefully sooner. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of my own worst enemy when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the most DIY I've ever released a project. But, you know, I think that, like, there are benefits to that as well. This is not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the the releasing part is is the challenge, especially during all this. But, but have you enjoyed have, – have you – like thoroughly enjoyed being, you know, the, you know, full on, you know, this is all your hands, all your work, all, you know, is, is it been, is it been, you know, therapeutic for you to, to be able to do it this way? Yeah. I mean, absolutely. It, it kind of comes down to, I mean, I've always made music the way I do. I've had no mm. success collaborating really. Um, I wish I had. I've tried a lot. Um, I've worked with a lot of people and collaborated a ton. I've never written a good song doing it. Um, 
or almost never written a good song doing it. Um, and then when I do end up working with people, it just usually ends up turning into a screaming match, <laughs> like me storming <laughs> out and them storming out. It's, it's like, I've just never really had success as an artist doing that. Right. Uh, and it's taken me to kind of be the age I'm at now before or to be able to accept that. So musically or artistically, nothing's significantly different than the way I was making music in the past. I just feel like um, I'm happy to have sort of one space to have my songs Hmm. um, where I know that it's always going to be there and I'm always going to have that space to, um, to keep my songs together. Um, So I'm excited for that. I uh, thought for a long time about a moniker and then I couldn't think of anything good. And then it made me think, well, if I can't think of a good moniker, why are people going to listen to my music? (laughs) And then I settled on the fact that, you know what, I've spent, so many years touring and made so many friends and and mm. you know um certainly don't have the kind of recognition that like a i don't know a kardashian or something would have but like I, you know right. some semblance of, of people would recognize me from my darkest days or, or my previous work maybe i'll have a larger audience out of the gates if i do it this way so i think mm. that was mostly informed by my ability to to reach people and to uh and to have um people find my music quicker yeah. By just having a solo project or whatever, you know, like I, yeah, not, you know, some egotistical, <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, my name is like, it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable when I see it in a like bold font on like a poster or something, but yeah, whatever, right. it's, it is what it is. And it's the best space I can come up with to keep my songs together. Well, I love it, dude. I mean, the whole, uh, the story, um, you know, what you're doing right now, I think is, uh, I love it. And I love the fact that, these outlets are there. Something we referenced earlier on in the, in the, in the podcast here is that there's, there's an avenue for you and, uh, and it will grow. And, and we got some great, you got some great fans in here, man. Uh, casual sex was also a fun party song. Okay. It, yeah. I, I, I remember that one. Uh, does, uh, does the song yeah. holding on, will it be available, uh, on your new album holding on? <laughs> uh, that song, I, I wrote it on tour. I think I put it on YouTube and I forgot I put it on YouTube. And then when I was going through my channel a little while ago, I was like, oh, wow, this is still there. <laughs> I kind of went through like a folk kick and it's like sort of holding on as like a folk song. It's like a two and a half minute, um, just like kind of, I don't know. You know what I mean? Actually, yeah. that kind of uh, lends itself to our conversation earlier about um, um, having sort of, you know, various dynamic um peaks and valleys in terms of genre but i feel like yeah i i I write a lot of songs and not all of them work feel like they are going to fit uh as the same pieces of the same puzzle that song um was fun to write uh and i you know maybe one day i'll I'll put out a folk ep or something that sounds like neil young (laughs) there you go (laughs) i don't know but it's it's not really going to sit well next to monster (laughs) <laughs> which kind of would, you know, maybe have a better uh, company next to like a nightmare than holding on. Right. But yeah, I mean, I'm flattered and thank you for listening to the song. But uh, oh, they're, um, uh, they love the song. Uh, makes them feel good. Uh, you're sweet. You're a gentleman. Uh, can't wait for the song. By the way, we're going to, um, for those of you who are, are following along for the first time here on the live stream on Twitch. Uh, so obviously this is live. 
Reed and I are mm -hmm. on the hang right now. Uh, this video will go up on YouTube uh, for the Cooperville YouTube page, and then it will be released on podcast platforms tomorrow. And all the links for Reed's social medias will be in the show notes of the podcast. You can just, if you're listening, you can just jump on and link right up. Um, and if you were paying attention moments ago, uh, there may be a little uh, little, little monster uh, preview in uh, on his YouTube page. So hopefully you were paying attention to that. Hey, Reed, I want to say uh, thank you so much, man, for uh, not just for the time today, but uh, but for the music and and for uh, for sharing your story. Um, I know it's, you know, the the industry is uh, is a is is crazy, but the the way that you're doing it, and this is former radio dude um, who's uh, learned a lot in the last year about music and, and what's out there and the avenues that are out there for you to get your songs out. Um, I'm just, I'm so happy for you, dude, that you have this, uh, this whole, this project with monster, with, uh, having this time to write and to be creative and to do it on your own terms, man. I, 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 I fucking love artists that do it this way so much. I have so much more, uh, you know, adoration for those who are doing it the way you're doing it than, we talked about the machine, so you 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 probably you ha you have you probably have a gist of my uh, <laughs> my thoughts on what's uh, what's currently available. So I'm 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 just I'm I'm so pumped to yeah. hear the song, man! I can't wait. Thank you so much, Cooper. I appreciate you, man. I feel like we're definitely on the same page when it comes to the sausage factory. Yeah, 100, <laughs> percent man. Grind it up, spit out, and then uh, oh, didn't fit in the next time. I guess we'll find somebody else to throw in the meat grinder. It'll be fine. This metaphor has been making me want hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, see, I, I'm in Wisconsin, so gonna, I gotta have a bratwurst. We do bratwurst. Here in you Wisconsin. Go. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get me a bratwurst uh, after this podcast. Awesome, man. Hey, thank you so much for the time, man. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, best of luck. Can't wait for the for the single to drop and the video. Uh, to all the fans that jumped on, uh, thank you from myself and from Reed. We really appreciate you hanging out with us on a Friday afternoon, man. It's, it's awesome. Thank you so much for having me on, Cooper. I appreciate you. Hey, let's do it again sometime soon, man, all right? Definitely, brother. Take care of yourself up there. You too, man. All right, Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much, man. Man, if you if you haven't heard yet or you haven't uh, jumped on board yet, we are now live streaming the podcast on Twitch. So go to twitch.tv slash Cooper and hit the follow button. Uh, if you have the Twitch app, same thing. Search No Limit Cooper and follow. If you don't have the Twitch app, go to your app store and download it and jump on board. Then not only do you get to uh, watch the interactive conversation happen as it's happening, but as a, as a follower, as a listener, you can also interject some questions. You heard some great, uh, great comments coming from uh, the people that we had on the live stream. So jump on that twitch.tv slash no limit Cooper, the other socials, you know, we're all over Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. So follow along there and every podcast platform imaginable is where you can hear this. So wherever you're listening to this particular podcast, make sure you subscribe, uh, leave a review, leave a comment. It's always appreciated. And uh, we're really thankful for all of you for the follows on social and for the, uh, of course, jumping on the live stream and following along with the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. I still think we're unable to, to hug or high five. So I'll just say until next time, thank you so much. Soon we'll be back.